welcome back to the Cook It Real Good podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Hilbron. This week's episode is all about bringing the flavors of the world to your home cooking. I chat with Laura and Sarah from the food blog Wonder Cooks, who share tips on how to get a taste for different cuisines when we aren't traveling, uh, where to source unique ingredients, and how to create special food experiences at home. 2020 has been far from the year of travel, as we all know, and I know that many of us have itchy feet wondering when we'll be able to jump on a plane to a far-off destination next. But while we wait, eating delicious dishes from around the world at home seems like a pretty great compromise. Now, let's dive in. Hi, Sarah and Laura. Welcome to the Cook It Real Good podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. So glad to be here. I'm so happy to have you guys. Fellow Aussies. No. I know, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started today, can I ask you, I guess I'm, maybe you both have the same or if you have different, that's okay. What is your signature dish? Ooh, I think we're a little bit unique here. Um, so Sarah actually is the cooker and I am the chopper. So whatever dish that we have created, we've done it together. Um, it's definitely a process that we have. Um, in terms of the signature dish, though, what would you say, Sarah? Um, I'd say our shabu shabu is actually mm. pretty up there with, uh, yeah, one of our ones loved by our friends and family, mm-hmm. um, mainly because we do get to sit around the table and kind of share um yeah, share that together because it is a hot pot. So um, you pop it in the middle. It's got kind of got a nice broth and then you just chuck in all your vegetables and meat and then everyone around the table can just pick out bits and pieces and keep the conversation going. So, yeah, I think that one's probably yeah. our signature. That, that's a fun way to cook. I really love that. <laughs> I love that style. Yeah, definitely like eating whenever I'm, yeah, I can just like pick and choose, whatever. I think that's, that's always the best kind mm-hmm. of meals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. Where'd you learn that recipe or did that come from one of your travels? That one was definitely from one of our travels. So um, we spent we spent quite a lot of time in Japan, actually. And uh, we first discovered that dish um, with a lady that we call our Osaka mum. Her name is Rieko. <laughs> <laughs> and every time we go to Japan, we catch up with her and we'll go check out some restaurants or um, some different places to eat around Osaka. And um, she took us to a Shabu Shabu restaurant one day and it just changed our lives forever. <laughs> um, so you sit at a table, there's a hot pot in front of you and you start assembling all the ingredients together and um, we were just hooked from that first bite. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we've tried that a few times now throughout Japan through different different restaurants that do it slightly differently everywhere and then just because we love it so much we've brought it home and we just cook it so often together at home <laughs> I think like a go-to for us yeah I think because the broth itself is very simple it's almost like like you would use chicken stock it's called dashi stock so it's just uh, a mix of seaweed and fish and um, it's nice and light so it just gives the um, vegetables and the meat like a little bit of flavor and then you've got two dipping sauces which we continuously argue about which one is better mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so one is called ponzu and that's like a citrusy soy based um, dipping sauce and then the other one is called gomadare and that is a sesame um, like creamy based sauce so um, whether it's the vegetables or the meat that you're dipping in both are just as good and yeah that's definitely if whenever we go to Japan that's like our number one to go to a shabu shabu restaurant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I feel like I missed out now. I went to <laughs> very like briefly for a few days a few years ago. And I feel like I didn't do enough like foodie research. Whereas if I had mm-hmm. my time again now, all oh, the things that I would do. So I'm going to put that oh, on the yes. list. I will get yep. the, I will get back there and I will be good. It's good. Yep. <laughs> yeah, ever want any restaurant recommendations or places to go, just let us know. <laughs> I'm gonna hit girls up, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, if you haven't guessed already, listeners, uh, Sarah and Laura are big travelers and uh, they have a beautiful range of a beautiful range of multicultural recipes and influences on their blog Wonder Cooks. Um, so what I want to talk to you girls about today is we're all stuck at home right now. We most of us have no idea when we're going to be able to travel next. I see mm-hmm. a few celebrities going to Italy and things like that, so I guess they're lucky, but yeah. I thought that we could talk about how we can bring a taste of the world to us at home. So if we're at home and we can't travel, how can we be adventurous in our food? Sure. So um, I think one of our favorite ways to do it if we're not cooking in the kitchen is to go out and find some authentic restaurants, um, you know, in your area. So for example, um, we have a really big um, like Vietnamese hotspot close by. So if we want to go to one of our favorite Vietnamese restaurants and have, you know, a big bowl of noodles uh, or known as pho, um, you know, we'll go there and enjoy that. And I think that is a great way to at least feel like you're overseas and can still be enjoying this really, really nice food, um, but from the comfort of your own town. (laughs) Yeah, we're really lucky here too. Um, in, In our area, we've got quite a lot of opportunity to do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I just feel very fortunate where we are. But um, uh, if, I guess, you um, don't have quite as many sort of restaurants to try um, but you do have takeaway places, you could try um, trying a few dishes that you know that you love, um, have them, uh, you know, explore how good they are and then see how you can recreate that, recreate them at home. Um, using your own ingredients, um, you know, you could find different food blogs that replicate the dish online and then um, uh, experiment with those and find your favourite way to cook it yourself. Um, and you might even find as well a few different cooking techniques that you can uh, replicate that way, uh, which is a good way to expand your cooking repertoire. Yeah, um, one of those uh, for us, uh, we have a Thai restaurant around the corner and we would always order this one dish called Chu Chi Chicken. And then we realized how much money we were spending <laughs> on this dish because it was so tasty. And so uh, we ended up, yeah, doing what Laura said and um, finding out, you know, how can we make this at home? Um, it ended up being just a few ingredients, um, especially because it uses a um, like a packet for the uh, red curry base and um yeah being able to make that at home saved us one it saved us so much money but two it tasted exactly the same as what we were getting at the restaurant and so we were pretty chuffed at ourselves Mm -hmm. for being able to recreate it and now we've made it so many times we can do it from memory without even the recipe and um we it's just so uh such a good weeknight dish you know it's so easy to make you know you can just chop up the chicken whip up the sauce cook it all up and you're ready to eat and it's delicious yeah and it's nice when it does feel like it's this restaurant quality meal that you've done yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea of, yeah, recreating your favorite dishes. Like I'm thinking now of all the Thai dishes that I love that I've, I've never tried to make at home. <laughs> but you're right. I probably uh, spend a pretty penny on buying those every week. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes we think it's going to be harder than it actually is. Once you take the time to go through that recipe, once you kind of realize just how easy it is and it breaks down that barrier, that mental barrier that you have when you think about some certain dishes. So yeah, that's one thing that I love is really, you know, trying something new and then discovering like, oh, hey, I really can cook this. It's easy. Um, and it tastes just as good, yeah. <laughs> if not better. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I also like the idea of getting outside of our comfort zones and trying some new cuisines, because I think that this is something that I I'm guilty of myself. I'm very guilty of it. Like I live in a very multicultural area. I have access to all different types of restaurants and I find myself gravitating towards the same. Like I'll, I love Vietnamese. So I'll always eat Vietnamese or whatever. It is. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you have access to those, why not give it a go? Like I think um, the times where I've been sort of gone outside of my comfort zone and gone to a restaurant that I, I didn't know anything about the cuisine. And even like, you know, you, you can ask the waiters there for suggestions if you really mm. have no idea what you like. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I've only ever been rewarded from those situations. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been always been a pleasant experience. I've usually found at least one dish that I really enjoy and um, want to go back for more. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. I think I found as well that um, if you have a friend or a family member that has been to a certain restaurant that has a different cuisine that you haven't tried, ask them to take you because I think that can be a really easy way to um, get them to show you their recommendations and take you and and then kind of take out the um, scariness factor of, you know, not knowing what to do or what to order. Um, And then also being able to catch up with friends and family at the same time. Yeah, perfect excuse. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right. So we've gone to the restaurant. We've tried a couple of dishes. We want to start to try and make it at home. (laughs) How do we, how do we even go about starting that? Because like you said, you know, you can go to a few blogs and have a look at the recipes, but what about ingredients? Like where do you find those? Um, Well, there's uh, a few good things that we enjoy about finding ingredients are obviously um, checking out where the local um, import stores are for the particular uh, cuisine. So we love hitting up the Asian grocers because we cook a lot of Asian recipes at home. Um, But we're also pretty lucky in our area. We've got access to Indian grocers or Mediterranean uh, style delis, places where we can get those uh, unique ingredients that we can't always find even at the supermarket. So um, as you were saying before, I think like it can be a little bit scary going into a supermarket market for the first time or a grocer that you haven't been to before, especially when they have a lot of uh, cultural ingredients that you might not have seen. Um, But I think it can also be uh, quite an adventure, almost an experience in itself, just going to the supermarket um, and then just looking at everything that they have available. Um, Walk up and down every single aisle, just take your time and, um, and pick out, you know, you kind of can see what the different ingredient options are and where everything is and, um, and then you'll know what you've got access to um, and then grab a few of the important things that form like a basis for your, your pantry staples. You know, you might get sesame oil or um, dashi stock or, uh, you know, um, like gochujang, different things that are uh, ingredients for different Asian cuisines, uh, especially. Obviously, I'm going to recommend those. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then once you've got those ingredients uh, on hand that you know that you're going to be using, uh, then it's easy to cook up almost any dish in a flash because you have the ingredients and then once you've experimented with them, you know what they taste like, you know how much to use. Um, so it just, it just takes a little time. And I think if it is new, give yourself that time and take it slow. 
and just enjoy the process. Yeah, I think what you can do is um, if you do have a recipe that you want to try, um, take a look at what the ingredients are. And if there is something that's unfamiliar, um, look it up on Google. Make sure that you um, have a look at the images in particular so that you can um, take some screenshots if you need of what the ingredient looks like in its bottle or its packaging so that that way when you do um, head down to the local um, Asian grocer or, or wherever you're going, you can um, try and identify it by sight and not have to you know, read exactly what it is, but you'll be able to pick it up straight away. Might, might make it a little bit easier for you. Yeah, that's definitely helped us quite a few times. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good tip. I, especially if it's it's uh, in another language, that might be a very handy thing when trying to find. Just be like, the bottle looks like this. I think I can find that. <laughs> exactly. Look for the green and gold. Or yeah. in, in the case of QP mayonnaise, like look for the little baby on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you um, also be surprised sometimes at what like your major supermarkets have so mm-hmm. um a lot of the times like I talk to people because you know like I use some of what what I would probably consider to be basic Asian ingredients Asian cooking ingredients in some of my recipes and I'll have people ask me questions and like where do you find these and honestly like we have quite an extensive range of um Asian ingredients at Coles and Woolworths for example we're mm-hmm. very lucky about that but even I've been to some supermarkets in America and I know that they have these things as well so just you'd be surprised if you go into some sections of the supermarket you you might not have ever really taken much notice of before and go and have a look at those there might be some of the stuff that you're you're looking for things I'm thinking of things like yeah your sesame oils or even Mm -hmm. like I think that our our supermarkets are starting to get even broader with even more things like miso is definitely there all those kind of yes Yep, yeah, I agreed. I've been so impressed with the range that we're now starting to get in your everyday supermarkets. So it's becoming more and more accessible for everyone. And also, I think one of the biggest things is to not be turned off if, say, if you've got eight out of t- 10 ingredients and there is just two on there that you really can't get. Um, one of the best ways to still be able to cook it is one, look up and see if there is a substitute available because sometimes you would be very surprised at how easy it is to substitute it with something that tastes almost the same, if not exactly the same. And then at the absolute um, minimum, like just omit it and then still cook it, still have that experience. It might not be 100% authentic, but the fact is that you're still just cooking it and having that experience and just learning something new anyway. You're absolutely right. I think sometimes that's what intimidates people from um, some recipes as well as if there's like a, a list of ingredients that all of them you've never heard of and you don't have on hand. Like that's probably like mm-hmm. maybe not your best data recipe if you're starting a new cuisine. Like maybe maybe there's a recipe in the middle where you go, okay, this has like two different sources that I don't have on hand so I can go and easily buy them. But the rest of the things I'm – I'm used to it's garlic it's oil it's soy sauce whatever it might be um yeah that that might be a less intimidating way to get started that's That's a good tip and the other thing that I like to do is just have a have a quick look down that list because sometimes um recipes can look really long but they have a lot of dry spices and chances are you you already have a lot of those spices in your pantry so you can see an ingredient list might have 20 ingredients but 15 of them are different spices you know that you're um you're going to just plonk them in and be ready to go so (laughs) don't let those long lists put you off either 
That's actually a really good tip. <laughs> I always buy it when I'm <laughs> on my blog post. If I have one of those, yeah, where you've used about 10 different spices and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. these are all very common. Don't worry, but your list looks like it's a, a page long. And I'm always like, yeah, please don't be turned off by this. That's, yeah. It's like example. Fine. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, this is only a quarter of a teaspoon of cloves. You've got this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know there's one curry paste in particular that we have that has what looks like a long list of ingredients, but, um, um, they're all pretty easy to find. And then all you need to do is pop them all in a food process, processor and that just does the whole thing for you. So, you know, uh, it, it looks like it's going to be hard and it takes five seconds. Like it's really easy. So don't just persevere, keep reading through that recipe and you might find that it's going to be a lot easier than you first think. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. And there's also um, ingredients that you invest in that you'll use a lot. So if you're, say, you've never cooked um, Chinese dishes before and mm-hmm. you start to see that every single one of them has uh, Chinese cooking wine and I'm just talking about top of my head right now. No, no, that's good. Oyster yeah. sauce, soy sauce, whatever it might be. Um, and you, so they're going to be staples, but they're in a lot of recipes, not just this recipe. Then even if you are investing in a handful or more of ingredients, you'll probably find that you're able to use them in a lot of dishes, not just this one. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you do find that you've got an ingredient that you are unsure about in terms of how you can use it, sometimes it's even good to find those roundup posts online where you can sort of look by ingredient and then find a whole stack of recipes that use it. So that's another way to um, make sure that you're going to use it all up and not let it sort of sit there in the back of the fridge. (laughs) Great tip. Yes. Don't Don't let it go to waste. If you've got something that you're not using, find out how to use it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, actually, um, we did um, have a reader that emailed us the other day and they have started playing a game in terms of um, cooking new things at home. So what they do is the parents pick out um, a country each week and the parents have to cook a dish from that country and then the kids have to actually learn about the country and then um, when they while they're eating it for dinner, the kids have to talk about, you know, what they've learnt about the cuisine or the culture. And I just thought that was such a great way to be able to bring, you know, a new cuisine into um, a family situation. That sounds like so much fun. And yes, it's, I feel like when I was younger, I didn't, I had no idea about other countries like, mm. or, or anything about like other foods. And so that is such a lovely way to, I guess, one, learn about it, but two, you're actually doing it interactively because you're getting a taste of that country too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Definitely so fun. Yeah. So tell me about, I want to talk about some of your favorite dishes, but I guess maybe we do it in terms of like cuisine type, maybe, or like, <laughs> um, rather than just like, what's all your favorite dishes? <laughs> tell me, <laughs> tell me about the country. Maybe like, I know you girls have done a lot of cooking classes when you've been on your travels. So maybe tell me about how you found that dish, um, how you learn how to cook it and why it's your favorite dish. I want to hear. All right. Yeah, we have uh, definitely got a few, so it's very hard to narrow it down. <laughs> um, there's there's one that in particular that uh, was such a great discovery uh, that I always think about. Um, we were traveling through Italy at the time and um, we were staying with a couch surfing host. So um, that was a nice, fun, cheap way to get around uh, uh, through uh, Europe. But also what we loved about it was it was a chance to not only meet with locals but also talk to them about real food in their country. Um, when we were uh, messaging these potential hosts, we were say, we will always say we uh, don't actually 
uh, couch surf. We like to cook surf. Um, and so that was what we would do is we would offer to cook one of our recipes from home in exchange for them sharing a recipe with us. Um, and this time in Italy, uh, we just uh, travelled into the country. We got there pretty late and our host invited us into his house and he cooked us this incredible carbonara. And uh, it was so unlike anything that we'd had at home because here in Australia, carbonara is it's a pretty creamy dish. There's definitely cream in the sauce. Yes. Uh, but authentic carbonara is there's no cream in it whatsoever. It's actually made with just the uh, the egg that's mm. cooked through into the sauce uh, with a little pasta water added and, of course, the cheese um, and bacon or pancetta um, and things like that. So, yeah, he cooked us that incredible carbonara and I still think about it to this day because it was just so good. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I, can't, I just can't even imagine how special that would be to, to have, yeah, someone cook a beautiful dish for you, especially when you've just come in. Like I, I'm trying to think, I think my first meal in Italy was pretty inauthentic. <laughs> <laughs> Probably at one of the restaurants where they made them for like, yeah, the, the, the people who are coming, who have a certain idea of what Italian cooking yeah. is like. For the them. tourist restaurants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, uh, yeah, the spe- those special food memories and like, oh, mm-hmm. pasta. Oh, just mm-hmm. every time. Always the pasta. Always. Yeah. <laughs> like you're Actually, I about like our version of what food mm. food is like if you went to italy and you had only i mean the carbonara that we have here you would think that it's just like full of cream so it yeah it was a little surprise yeah yeah mm. actually i couldn't believe how creamy it still was given yes. that it didn't have the cream in it like i think um yeah you are uh, cooking the eggs that you wait uh, the way that they do where you almost pop it in and still have the heat on low, but then you, you know, um, turn it off and let it finish cooking before while you dish it up. It just keeps that creaminess there that you would think you have actually added cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a real surprise. Mm. Now, um, is that one a blog? Sorry. Oh, uh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We'll make sure that we link all of these in the show notes. I'm assuming all of them are on the blog. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I was going to say that, speaking of pasta, that then reminded me of um, – for my birthday while we were in Japan, we stayed with a monk. Um, who, um, yeah. So it was, uh, we were traveling down, um, down the coast, um, almost to the bottom of Japan. And um, it was this tiny little village and uh, I don't even know how I found it, but you could stay with this monk in his little temple. And um, he loved cooking so much and this one morning we had to get up early he's like right we're cooking udon noodles I was like well I'm in (laughs) (laughs) and um next minute we hop in the car and he takes us down to the beach and we're like okay this is not what I expected (laughs) um he hops out and then he grabs a kettle out of the boot and Next minute, we are literally hopping along the rocks down to the ocean and he scoops up um, the water in the kettle, the seawater, and he says, this is it. This is what we use for udon noodles. And I said, "Um, are you sure? He's like, yes, perfect. And I said, why? And he says, no, listen. He said, it is the perfect ratio of salt to water. So he said, this is what you make udon noodles with. Oh, my gosh. Well, genius. But <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not sure how clean this water is, but okay, we'll do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we um, travelled back to um, 
to his house and um, we um, cook the udon noodles by hand and, or no, sorry, I should say by feet. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you... <laughs> So after adding the water and the flour, you get the dough, you pop it between two sheets of thick plastic and you knead it with your feet. So this is because um, it's actually quite a tough um, flour and this helps to, you know, soften it and give it that nice chewy texture that is known for udon noodles. So it's so much easier than doing it with your hands. Seriously, once you have tried kneading the dough with your feet, you'll never want to go back. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so you end up doing it between 30 to 50 times and yes, that, that amount of times, uh, because it, um, yeah, you really need to do it that much to get it that soft. Um, but seriously, they were the best udon noodles I think that we had had. <laughs> yeah. We definitely learned a lot from that monk. <laughs> yeah. What a magical experience. Yes. Like, uh, <laughs> That's what I just love about, yeah, learning more about how things are made. Like, I'm, I have not been as adventurous as you girls, but, you know, <laughs> even just, like, watching watching cooking shows and things like that, I'm always constantly amazed at how things are made around the world and, like, some older school techniques. I'm thinking about, like, was it salt, acid – Help me out here. What's like Samin show? <laughs> Salt, acid, uh, fat, heat, is it? <laughs> yeah, that one's on Netflix, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. And yes. Oh, my gosh. I was just amazed at all of the different things when she was going around the world. Even like, I think there was one that was – I think it was the salt when they were showing about how some, like, soy sauces were made. I was just, like, in awe. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. yeah. I'm yeah. sorry that actually reminds me the name of it, but it's something along – <laughs> it's some combination of those four words. <laughs> Yeah, we'll pop that in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our favourite is um, street food Asia. Uh, I think just being able to see how all the food is made uh, on the streets and the community that's around that process, uh, that, trust me, if you start watching it now, you're going to get the feels about not being able to travel, but it definitely it makes you feel like you're right there with them. Um, the only thing is you just can't taste the food unless you go and cook it yourself. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great way to get some good inspiration for different dishes as well. Mm-hmm. All right, give me another one of your favorite dishes. Uh, I think uh, I just remembered about our fried spring rolls that we learnt in while we were in Vietnam. Uh, um, we stayed with these two girls who were um, about our age, and uh, we got along really well. They were so cool. And one day they um, said, "All right, we're going to do a cook up for lunch." So. They took us down to the local markets, which was brilliant because they can be quite intimidating. Um, There's a lot of um, fresh veggies and um, so many different kinds of fruit and vegetables that you've never seen before. Um, And then there's also like the wet areas uh, of the markets, which have all their meats. So there is just piles and piles of meat um, out in the open and it's so fresh. They like cut it up in the morning, but, um, you know, seeing some eyeballs and tongues are maybe... (laughs) A little daunting for some. A literal eye-opening experience. (laughs) Um, But it was great to have the girls take us through um, and to be able to show us, you know, how to pick um, certain types of um, spices or certain types of herbs and what to look for. Um, And then once we um, headed back up to their apartment, um, yeah, we got stuck into learning um, how to make the um, fried spring rolls and... (laughs) 
I think as we were just starting to fry them, for some reason, I don't know, we had the windows open because it was hot and a pigeon flew in. So we ended up running around the kitchen with like oven mitts and stuff, just trying to like shoo this bird out. And I think I ended up catching it and sending it out. But that was so random, but it just, it always reminds me of now whenever we cook those at home, that was an interesting experience. Think of that that pigeon. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, spring rolls are my absolute favorite. So I'm going to have to try that one. They are the best. Yeah. I like these ones in particular because rather than having um, a sort of more traditional wonton style wrapper, they're actually made with rice paper rolls. Um, So you sort of uh, soften them first with water and roll them up and then deep fry them. Um, And they are crispy, crunchy, and just totally delicious. Um, I really liked trying that and learning that different wrapper style. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Most of them that you do see with that, yeah, like either wonton or like the – the egg roll wrappers, whatever. Yeah. They're like they're like yeah. thicker. Whereas I have had tried the ones with the rice paper rolls and they just like, yeah, a little lighter, a little crispier. Yeah. They are lovely. Mm. Yeah. Each of them are good in their own way, but um, it's always fun to discover something new. <laughs> of course. Um, are there any others that you love? I reckon my other favorite one, and this is one that we cook a lot. Um, this one is great for a lunch or a snack. Um, so it's called Dunbing. It's the, um, the crepes that you can, you can see them. I think, um, they have stalls actually around our city that sell them, but, um, we were in Taipei in Taiwan and we were staying in quite a, a kind of a suburban area uh, in an apartment there. And, um, just around the corner from our apartment when we would go for our walks, uh, it was just in the morning we would see this little roller door open and there was a stall there that would only be there until about midday. And um, one day we decided to line up and join the whole pile of locals there. And um, we went up to the counter and we realised they were making these dunbing um crepe rolls so they're like a thin layer of um crepe batter topped with egg and tuna and cheese and then wrapped up and then served with this little dipping sauce and um they are incredible um but it was it was so fun sitting there because we had we had none of the language unfortunately but the people that ran the stall stall, it was this older lady and her son and um they were so friendly and so helpful helping us to to choose what to eat and pouring us this uh freshly made um coffee as well to go with it and yeah it was just so fun but um that is such an easy dish to cook at home and um yeah we love it so much (laughs) yeah I think um, on the same day, though, we ended up having one of our not-so-favourite um, yes. dishes. Uh, so um, on, I'd say, what, local adventures gone not-so-tasty, <laughs> uh, we <laughs> we love to just wander around and, um, you know, just see what we can find. And this one day we were, uh, yeah, so we'd eaten our breakfast. We are going along around lunchtime through this little alleyway type thing uh, and found there was this like long line of people. So we thought, oh, this must be pretty good. Like it looks pretty popular. We'll stop here and taste this. Um, Again, we had no idea what the store was or anything like that. So as we were lining up, uh, one of the ladies behind us uh, ended up knowing English and she said, oh, would you like me to help you order? And we said, yes, like we'll just have what you're having. And, um, so she, she's like, yep, no worries. I'll do that. And, um, yeah, she ordered for us and we get this kind of container of 
gloop. I would call it, yeah, it was very gelatinous. Um, <laughs> it was noodles uh, cooked with, I think it was pig intestines yep. and oysters. It was an interesting mix um, and a very interesting experience just even eating it. The mouthfeel of that was, it was, it was different. It was, it was, I would say like the taste itself was actually, it was yeah, nice. Actually, I think did. it was more, um, our eyes would not accept yeah. <laughs> what we were trying to eat. Yeah. <laughs> and the textures were very different for us from other things that we tried. And, um, yeah, that took some getting used to, but actually, yeah, as you said, it, it didn't taste all that bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some, some interesting experiences you can get. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk about... That blissful day when we can actually travel again. Oh, let's hope it's sooner rather than later. Oh, please. <laughs> what are like, so you've obviously traveled around and you've picked up a lot of cooking tips and different like cuisines when you've been in your travels. Like what are some tips that you have for people who maybe haven't been traveling a lot or even have been traveling a lot, but haven't actually honed into those authentic food experiences? How do we get those when we go to overseas? Like what should we be looking for? What should we be doing? Mm-hmm. I think one of the easiest ones to start with would be cooking classes. Um, they are becoming more and more um, popular depending on where you are. You can now even book them through Airbnb or um, even through your hotel or um, wherever you're staying. Um, I found that they've been fantastic because usually they do pair them with, say, a a trip to the market so that you can have a look at how to pick out the ingredients or get a little bit more of a feel for um, where the dish comes from or what's made up um, with all the different ingredients. And then as well, being able to learn in a class, you can kind of... um, you know, practice techniques with everyone around you, make some friends at the same time. And I've just found that that is a really fun way to make a whole day of it rather than, um, you know, trying to get out there and find a different um, or a new experience on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a way to shortcut the process, I think. Um, But when you are out and about, uh, it's one of the tricks that we do when we know we're getting hungry and we're heading towards an area where we know there's going to be a bit of food. Um, a good way to choose what to actually try is to see which place or which stall has uh, the longest lines because usually that's going to be the place that all the locals love. Um, so usually joining that line, you're going, you know you're going to have something delicious at the end of it. Um, and if, yeah, if not like with the dish that we just mentioned, at least it's going to be a really good experience. <laughs> You'll have a story to tell. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's usually never that, – that never steers us wrong with that uh, technique. The other – the other um, thing we do is just literally uh, just walk along and follow our noses. If there's something that smells just heavenly, then we will go and try it. We will sniff it down. We will find it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that is always super fun as well. Yeah, I think um, speaking about walking around, you know, sometimes if you just pick it a direction, and we love doing this, mm. Literally pick a direction and just walk, walk for, you know, we'll walk for quite a few kilometers day. <laughs> um, just do one, uh, you know, get a feel for what's around the city, what's around the town. Um, and two, that's when you can find stuff that you can't Google. You can't ask for recommendations. You do just stumble upon something that you could not have planned on. Um, in that case for us, it was in Kagoshima in Japan. Um, we were walking around and um, I'd actually, I had my camera on me. And I'd stopped to take a photo of what just looked like this old kind of wooden stump. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's nice. Next minute, all of these people started coming out and surrounding me. And 
I quickly moved out the way because apparently we'd just stepped into a um, mochi making celebration um, in which case these guys came out with like um, big steaming um, pots of rice and then popped it onto that old wooden block that I was uh, admiring. <laughs> admiring. <laughs> um, they brought out their hammers and ended up starting um, screaming while they were, you know, making this traditional mochi and that was just awe-inspiring because yeah. we just, one did not expect it. And it was literally like just a random street that was quiet. Nothing was happening. And I don't even know where all these people came from. <laughs> so, so we stuck around and we actually, we kept watching that, uh, that whole ceremony take place. And uh, with the giant wooden hammers, it did start with the, the, the men doing that at first, but then they got the little kids out to try and they were holding the hammers up for them and letting them pound the mochi rice. And then um, once the rice had been finished, once it was ready, they took it all inside and it was like a, uh, like a conveyor belt of people taking up little portions of the rice and moulding it into the little circular mochi shape. And then uh, once that was all done, they were selling it to the, the local people that had come to watch the show. So um, that was really fun. Yeah, And we definitely bought some. We did. And <laughs> oh, it was delicious. Yeah. Freshly made mochi. There's something so unique about it. <laughs> I love the idea of like, yeah, following your nose or just going to like a popular area um, and just walking blocks and seeing, you know, have a look at what's around, see who's, who's stand, you know, lining up for places or what place is really busy. Um, I like, I don't know about anyone else, but I have wasted so much of my life Google mapsing a place to eat. Like, I mm-hmm. <laughs> look, the same thing happens for every restaurant. Someone loves it. Someone hates it. Someone had a yeah. crappy experience. Someone thinks it's the best ever. And so yeah. you can never really tell unless like every review is bad. Everywhere's going to be much the same. It'll have like a handful of good and handful of bad. So I love the idea of, yeah, just don't even waste your time doing that. It's, it's just yes. wasting at the hotel, figuring it out. May as well just yeah. go out. And that's it. Answers and find somewhere good. That's it. And that way you have no expectation. I think that's almost more exciting because you just don't know. So you're like, well, if, if it's going to be good, if it's going to be bad, that doesn't matter. Like it's just exciting to experience something new. Yeah. And it's good because it stops that kind of analysis paralysis. If you start looking at too many different options, you're like, I don't know what to choose. Yes. But uh, <laughs> when you're out there and you're getting hungry and you find something, you're like, this is it. I'm going in. <laughs> And what's the worst that can happen? Like you have a bad meal, like the, that's it. The world's will not end. It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go eat something else. You didn't like it. Okay, cool. Well, you tried it. That was the main thing. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think also um, being open to uh, just surprise opportunities. So um, in our case, we just got into Korea and um, we were in Busan and we're walking around. We were looking for um, somewhere to eat for dinner and we were having one of those analysis paralysis Mm. uh, times. So I think we had about five in mind. We're like, oh, that looks good. Oh, this looks good. And next minute, this old man literally yells out, best restaurant in Busan, number one. And he had like a walking stick and he's pointing at it. And we said, well, if that isn't a sign, I don't know what <laughs> yeah. is. You have to go there. Definitely. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that ended up, that was interesting. So we went in there and um, it was like a, a, a soup uh, with like a whole heap of um, side dishes and stuff. But we, at that stage, we had no idea what to um, order uh, there was no English, no English menu available. Uh, so we ended up uh, getting on to Google Translate and 
Googling what would you recommend and then translating that into Korean and showing the table next to us. So they ordered our meal for us and it worked out good. Yeah, <laughs> I was so happy to help. I think that's the other thing too is, yeah, a lot of times when we've been there and, and unsure what to do, so many people are just so happy to help you and um, help you make sure you have a good time or have something delicious to eat. So um, that is one thing that we tend to do. And if we know we're not going to have uh, Wi-Fi or anything, we'll uh, save that as a screenshot on our phone, that question in whatever language we need um, so that wherever we are, we can always ask someone, what do you recommend? And, um, yeah, that's definitely led to some tasty discoveries. Yeah, that is a good hack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The other thing that we do is... Um, yeah, and like sort of related to that, we, we love to uh, try and learn even just two or three different words in the local language, whether that's uh, hello, goodbye, thank you, uh, and especially delicious, because it's always nice to be able to express your appreciation for that delicious meal. Um, and even if you don't pronounce it quite right, I don't think anyone cares. It's the, the thought that counts, that you took the time to try and learn a little bit of the language just to say thank you or to say delicious. Um, it, it goes a long way. Um, in uh, putting out some goodwill, I think, into the, yeah, into the world. And you'll find that people usually, if you aren't pronouncing it right, they will correct you. Not in a mean way, not in like a, oh, I can't believe you did that. They'll be like, this is how you say it. You're like, okay, perfect. Now I get yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they want to, they want to help you learn, not be, uh, I think that that's maybe like the scary thing. Cause we think about like all the people who are so <laughs> onto us about our grammar and stuff yes. in English speaking <laughs> countries. And, oh, how dare you mispronounce that or say that the wrong way. So yeah, most places you find that they're not like, that they're just happy that you made the effort you're right <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah i think most of the time they can see that we're trying so they'll usually laugh at us and but go along <laughs> yes, with it exactly <laughs> but the fact is you're trying and uh, not everyone does that and i think that that sets you apart if you if you do do that it makes an impression on people yeah i think um because we do speak uh, a little bit of japanese and i think on occasion um when we would try and speak Japanese, people would be like totally surprised, like the waitresses or um, a couple of times they actually didn't understand at first because they thought we were speaking English. And then they're like, oh, you just spoke Japanese. Right, right. So it's almost like they were trying to translate already. Uh, yeah. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. I I really like those tips. I'm Now, after talking to you girls, I just feel sad. <laughs> I know I get it I I want to go somewhere I want to I want to go on an adventure and I want to eat some beautiful food but you know what I think I'll just settle today it's about 10 30 here so I've got some time before lunch I think I'm gonna pick a new restaurant and try it today just to give me a taste of something else yeah yeah, it's a good way to get out there and, and uh, you know, get a little time out of the house if you can and, uh, yeah, pretend. Pretend you're in another country, <laughs> even it. if it's for half an hour. <laughs> oh, well, I've had so much fun chatting to you guys. I'm, I know I said I'm sad, but I'm I'm just I'm, – now I'm just – I've got that wanderlust feeling. I just – Wistful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Memories are lovely. I'm thinking of all the times I've been everywhere and just want to go out again. But, yes, it'll be, it'll be here – before we know it, we'll be able to. Exactly. And um, now we have some really good ideas of what we're going to do when we go to those places. We're going to learn exactly. the cuisines. We're going to get a good taste of authentic food. And like, please stay away from those like trashy restaurants that, I mean, they have to have them because lots of people go to these places and refuse to eat the local food. But stay away yeah, from those true. restaurants and go and get a real taste of the country that you're staying in. <laughs> That's it. And also like, don't be afraid if you are eating street food because 
seriously, like we have eaten a lot, a lot of random street food. And I think in the whole year that we were traveling, we got sick twice each. So I think that's pretty good innings. Like, yeah. So just putting it out there, like, don't be afraid because generally like it doesn't make you sick. Yeah. You go to the places that have the long lines. Yeah. The long lines and the fast turnover and you'll be fine. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, ladies. I've had such a good time talking to you. Thank you so much for for having us. I had such a blast chatting all things international food with Laura and Sarah. This conversation definitely left me feeling all sorts of feelings about how we can't travel right now and how much I look forward to the day that we can explore the world once again. I hope that this episode has inspired you to try some new flavors in the kitchen this week. I know it can be daunting to start off with, especially if it's something completely new, but as we discussed, sometimes it's even a great idea to find a local restaurant and give that a try first. Well, that's it from me. I hope you have a great week and don't just cook, cook it real good. Bye.